This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. You're listening to the Church Boys Free Fall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here, and I have Scott McKnight on the phone, professor of New Testament at Northern Seminary. How are you doing today? Very well, thanks. Good to talk to you, Billy. Well, the reason we're talking today, and I'm fascinated by the work you do as well as I am with the work of, of so many professors, theologians, who, who look at a lot of these complicated issues, is to talk about your new book, which is The Heaven Promise, Engaging the Bible's Truth About Life to Come. Uh, this book comes out in just a couple of weeks here in, in early October on, I think it's October 6th, right? That's correct. So let's just jump right in on this. I'm going to ask you a really loaded question and um, you know, give you a chance to respond to it in as much length as you, as you, you want to. But you know, so many people want to know what the Bible says about heaven. What what can they expect? And again, I know it's a very loaded question, but if someone were to come to you and say, you know, what what can I expect from heaven? What will it be like? What would you say based on what we know about the Bible in a general sense of, of what heaven will be like? Yeah, I think I would first try to figure out how much time I have because <laughs> uh, in one minute I would say I'd give one answer and in 30 minutes, I would give another answer. But let, let me reduce it to a, a few important words in the Bible. Uh, and I believe that we should construct our understanding of heaven as Christians on the basis of what we learn in the Bible, not on the basis of what um, people who have near-death experiences or out-of-body experiences or even uh, mystical experiences have to tell us. I don't want to dispute that people who have those experiences are telling the truth. I don't want to dispute that they have things that are interesting, and at times things that confirm the Bible. But I do want to dispute that that's how we construct our theology as Christian thinkers. In the history of the Church, we have focused on what the Bible says. And in looking at the Bible, I think there are a few really important words uh, that we have to have uh, in mind. The first one is promise. Uh, I called my book The Heaven Promise because in studying the Bible, I became convinced that heaven is a promise from God to his people that at some day he will make all things right, justice will prevail, evil will be defeated and vanquished, and peace and love will rule this world. Um, it may be a new heavens and a new earth, that's what I believe, but at the same time, heaven is, first of all, a promise. And the second thing, the second word that is so important for me, is that heaven is about the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, Christians have no belief in heaven. Uh, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, Christians have no confidence that they will join Jesus in the future state, in the eternal life, in the new heavens and the new earth in heaven. So uh, it's very important to me that we begin with promise and we begin with resurrection, because until those two ideas are firmly in place, we're going to have a really difficult time understanding what heaven is like. Let me just make a comment here. So many of the stories of near-death experience, of out-of-body experience, 
are not at all related to these two ideas of the importance of God's promise, God's covenant with his people in this world, and the resurrection of Jesus. Some of these near-death experiences, you don't hear a word about Jesus. And this greatly concerns me when it comes to understanding Christian theology. Do you so think, those are the two words I begin with. Do you think that, I mean, obviously, the, and I know that in some interviews I've seen recently, you've commented on, obviously, Don Piper's story. That's the latest one. Um, you know, the, you had that one with, with the malarkey kid, um, that actually being his last name, who uh, he, he admitted that his father had had made the story up or claimed that his father had made the story up about his own um, supposed near-death experience. Why do you think, and I, I know this is sort of a tricky question, but you know, so many of these people come out and say they've had these experiences. What do you think accounts for those differences um, in experience or those differences that maybe you see not necessarily um, meshing with the Bible or with the message of Jesus? Why do you think there are those differences? Um, okay, the, uh, the first thing I would say is there are records of near-death experiences going back to ancient Egyptians, ancient Romans, ancient Greeks, ancient Jews. Uh, we have records of near-death experiences throughout the entire cultural history of humans. And what we know is that every age, every big set of ideas, call it a worldview or a philosophy or religion, every one of those viewpoints influences and shapes the near-death experiences that, uh, that people report. For instance, in the medieval age, Roman Catholic near-death experiences were also quite uniform. And the uniformity was they almost all experienced either a terrifying sense of hell or a whole lot of purgatory. Whereas modern people uh, in America tend to experience joy and peace and happiness. Right, that leads me to not only is there diversity in the history of culture and a conformity of those experiences to what that culture believed, but perhaps even more important, these people haven't died, so they're in the process of dying probably. They didn't die, uh, and death is irreversible, and death uh, is not something that happens all at once. Death is something that takes hours usually uh, to be accomplished. Uh, these people have not died, so they're experiencing pre-death uh, experiences that are connected to their own brains, rather than to a reality beyond death, because they haven't died. They are experiencing um, something that is already existent in their own brains. This, these are these are very important observations, I think, for us in analyzing near-death experiences. Yeah. So, I mean. The notion of somebody actually going to heaven in the process of that, do you think that that's ever possible? Do you think it's not? Well, this is a difficult thing to say. I don't believe any of these people have died. So I don't believe any of them are telling us what's in the afterlife or after death. Uh, I think all these people are in pre-death mode, so the word near-death is pretty good. They're nearly dead, but they're not. So all that's happening, in my opinion, is a mass projection 
uh, in their mind, uh, a filtering in their mind, a projection in their mind of what they already believe heaven will be like. And it is a genuinely powerful experience for these people. Do you, would you be open in this? And I just I find this discussion really fascinating. Would you be open to the notion that God might give them that for some reason, give them that vision or that feeling, even if they haven't actually transcended or moved anywhere? Well, you know, I don't want to rule out what God can do, but let's let's remember this: if you if you accept that these pre-death experiences are gifts from God you will quickly have to discern which parts of those experiences are genuinely true and accurate about heaven and which parts aren't. And if you accept the experience itself as revealing what heaven is like, you have to accept all of it. And if you accept all of it, the whole experience, then you have to say that everybody in every age finds a heaven of their own making. This is precisely what the journalist Mally Cox Chapman came to the conclusion of in studying near-death experiences, that the variety and, in a sense, the wish fulfillment of these people's experiences of what they call heaven or near-death experiences uh, mirror their own beliefs and their own hopes and their own dreams with the result that you have to say everybody gets the heaven of their own making. Well, that destroys the concept of heaven as an objective reality, and it makes the source of our beliefs about heaven our experiences rather than what Jesus has taught or what the apostles teach in the New Testament. So, I mean, you've heard a lot of these stories. Obviously, you have Heaven is for Real. You have Don Piper's 90 Minutes in Heaven. There are many others. Um are there certain things you could think of without, I'm not going to ask you to go unless you want to, to specific stories. I just mentioned a couple, but are there things that you've heard in these experiences where you say to yourself, there's just no way that's not biblical. What that person saw is not biblical. And if so, what are some of, and I know the answer is yes, you have heard some. So what are some of those examples of things you just say don't square with the Bible? Well, uh, I, I will, uh, I will tell you, and I've said this before, I think Don Piper's story is um, one of the best, and as a story, one of the most conforming to the image of the what the Bible says. Uh, it's a it's a little, you know, it's difficult to know. Uh, Evan Alexander wrote the most popular one in the last few years, I think, called yes. uh, "Proof of Heaven." Evan Alexander, for instance, tells us that he was told to call God Om. OM. And this is, this is really peculiar. Uh, when I read that, I thought, wow, he's believing whatever this experience is. Uh, the other thing he basically said is that everybody's fine, which is, well, in my opinion, as I read his book, I thought it was just another form of soft universalism uh, so that everybody is fine. Everybody's going to be redeemed. We have nothing to fear. Uh, so, I, my experience in reading the stories is very few of them are consistent with Christian orthodoxy, and most of them contain dimensions and ideas and experiences that aren't remotely close to uh, what the Bible teaches about heaven. 
it's interesting with Don Piper too. I just interviewed him the other day and talking with him about his story. You know, he doesn't he he strikes you as somebody who's being very honest about what he experienced. And I think one thing that's interesting too about what you're saying is not you know, that these people are all lying or making this up, but that this is not necessarily what they believe it to be, which I think is an interesting prospect. And and having this sort of experience based on your beliefs of what will come um, in in a moment like that when you're in between life and death, you're not dead, but you're on your way there. That That's sort of fascinating to me. Um, what What would you, if you could get one or two messages out to people who are reading your book, you know, if they could just leave thinking or feeling one or two things, what would those things be? What would you want them to leave feeling? Uh, um, Billy, I would move uh, in the direction of, of looking at the big ideas about heaven in the Bible, uh, the big themes about the Bible, in light of what God wants to do in this world with creation and new creation. So to me, uh, I would want them to understand that heaven, in fact, I think heaven for many people, is going to be a surprise. A lot of people sort of think it's a grand um, experience of euphoria forever and ever, uh, and others think it's going to be a church service. Uh, I, I think our vision of the Bible on the new heavens and the new earth uh, leads us to, to think that the big ideas include that at the middle and the center and at the top of everybody and everything will be God that Jesus as the Lamb and the Lion will be in triumph. Uh, I'm Trinitarian, so I think the Holy Spirit is generating all these things for everybody, and that we will be finally and eternally uh, full of pleasure and joy and happiness as we experience a life that will last forever uh, but this eternal life will be uh, a global fellowship, and this is where I think we have to lean into heaven now, and that is in God's final heaven. The, the size of heaven in the book of Revelation is one of those hashtag LOL moments. When you calculate it, you think this is just extravagantly open for m- millions, if not billions of people where God is welcoming uh, his entire creation that is in, in Christ into his presence. But it will be a global fellowship of people from all over the world, from all time. And it will be a beloved community. And that, by that, I simply mean it will be a society. It will not just be individuals. Uh, it will be a flourishing city. That's the book of Revelation. Uh, there will be justice. There will be joy, uh, there will be peace, uh, there will be a flourishing, thriving, growing, vibrating community of growth and health and happiness, and at that time I think all things will be made right, uh, which uh, I believe means, I often call this the first hour in heaven, I, I believe that the first hour in heaven will be made up and I'm just using one hour, and I don't know exactly when this will happen, but this is my image. The first hour in heaven will be a time when we are all fully reconciled with God, and that, and we'll be fully reconciled with others, and that means uh, that there will be confrontation, there will be truth-telling, 
there will be remorse and repentance uh, where we realize we were wrong, that we need to be reconciled with this people, and we will have all eternity to work out our relationship with these people that should have occurred in this world but didn't. Well, listen, this has been fascinating, and I could talk to you for another two hours about this. I mean, I think it's a really intriguing subject that has ramifications and interest for everybody. I mean, this is something everybody thinks about um, at some point or another. And uh, we will make sure we link out to The Heaven Promise, make sure people can get copies of the book. Is there anything else you'd want people to know before we uh, we head off the interview? Uh, you know, Billy, to me, the big idea comes back to the fact that we need to trust God for heaven. We need to trust the God of promise who has said um, I have made you, you are my people, and I will make this world and the world in which you live, the society in which you live, the way I have designed it, and you will see the glory of God manifested throughout all creation, the new creation of the new heavens and the new earth. But it's all rooted in the promise of God, which became a living reality in the resurrection of Jesus. So we need to look to Jesus and not to ourselves for our confidence and hope about heaven. Well, listen, I appreciate all of your time, and, and thank you for enlightening uh, me and, and letting us know more about your book. Appreciate it. Thank you, Billy. Church Board.